Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, one of my original guests I wanted on this thing, one of one of like the most perfect guests I could hope for for this podcast, Tony Foresta of the godly Municipal Waste, of the godly Iron Reagan, of actually the pretty demi-godly, at least, demi-godly? Yeah, demi-godly at least, but godly in their own right, James River Scratch, nearly did a band with Zestopia, but more on all that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That and a Facebook page and an Instagram page, both are at Turned Out of Punk or Turned Out of Punk themed related names, are run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the messages to me as need be, and we can communicate that way. If you want to get in touch with me directly, you can find me on various forms of social media at left for damien If you want to support the show, the best way of supporting the show is by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you know that you enjoy this podcast. And uh, you know, there's other ways to support the show too. You can write a review and subscribe to it. We also have a Patreon, and I want to give a huge shout out and thank you to the fine folks that support the Patreon over there at patreon.com uh, slash turned out of punk. We have footnotes going up on there and some other stuff, and you can check that all out and join in the fun over on that thing as well. And speaking of support, this show would not be possible without the kind loving support of the fine folks at Vans Shoes. Vans came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, don't lose money on this thing anymore. Just just do it as you do it, and, and we'll help make it possible. And I got to say, thank you very much to them for doing that and allowing me to do this. Um, uh, anything else? I think that's about it. Uh, check out some of the other podcasts that we have in the archive. We've got a ridiculous archive with tons of guests. And a lot of people hit me up and like are like, oh, you should have so-and-so on the show. And it's like, yeah, check check that episode. They were on. Or check this episode. They were on. Uh, so, you know, check the archives. There's, there's a lot of fun on there. A lot of great stories. And this is going to be one of the great ones that are going to live in that archive after this week. Because this is... Oh, Tony is someone I've wanted to have on this show for a very long time. Uh, I, we talk about it on the show. I think it was like five years ago when I first started doing this podcast. I kind of approached him about coming on and it took took forever for it to happen. But it was worth it because Tony is the ideal guest for this podcast. Like not someone who's just into the style that we all know and love him for, which is, you know, Musical Waste and Iron Reagan. He's in a punk in all its mutations from pop punk to to AMRAP, to, you'll hear it. You'll hear it all on this show. And, um, you know, Tony's someone who, for, for a while, I didn't speak to. I didn't really know him, and I, I assumed I knew him, and, you know, made a lot of assumptions that were kind of foolish. In retrospect, I realized I was a fool for not being buds with this guy the whole time because he's one of the coolest out there, one of the best people going. So, uh, you know, once again to Tony, I'm sorry that I was a dick for all those years and that we weren't friends until now because I want to be friends for life. Uh, also, this is the weirdest intro I've recorded because I'm recording it right now from my little makeshift homeschool that we've set up in the house. Um, Lauren and I, well, Lauren's really leading the charge on it, but I'm uh, there as well. We've become homeschooling parents, as, as many parents have become. Probably most parents in the world right now have become uh, and so, uh, you know, it's, it, 
it's fun. I feel like we're all working together. I feel like we've got a little uh, creative hub going on. Depends. Dor- depends. Holden's working on some drawings. Camden and Dorian are watching a science video. And I'm recording intros to my podcast. Look at this. A little creative hub, guys, eh? Do you want to say hi to people? Hi. Hi. We got Hello. A, I got a couple of highs in there. All right. Well, I'm going to go back to homeschooling, and I'm going to let you sit back, relax, and enjoy one of the... One of the all-time guests on this bad boy right here. Here is Tony Foresta on Turned Out a Punk. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, as I was just <laughs> telling you off air, you're like one of my original list of guests that I was like, I got to get this person on the show. It's been it's been way too long for sure. We've <laughs> been talking about this. I can't remember how long we've been talking about this. <laughs> I think actually uh, the Vice party that we both performed at Vice oh, Twenty Five. Oh my god, that was a night! What a night! That, that was might crazy. Be, yeah, totally the weirdest night of my life. Yes, I, I was just that was one of the weirdest nights of my life. It was like s- sitting with like. This Carla Johansson in my face, and I'm sitting on a couch with Kim Gordon, punishing Kim Gordon. Uh, yeah, there's so many weird things that night happened. What an amazing night! Oh my god! I, I bet you got some stories. I can't remember. Oh, well, I, I do, <laughs> and I think there's no way we're going to get to that night at the way this podcast moves. As I've also that would be an entire episode. That's an entire episode. Seriously. That's like yeah, we'll get we'll get to that around part five. We'll do a special uh, a special like pull out secondary episode just about that party you talk about that that afi fight or whatever <laughs> that'll be like a whole thing you keep oh my gosh the afi <laughs> dude are you, are you pushing all my buttons right now <laughs> no, sorry. No, sorry, no no i gotta start this off tony the way they all start off before the punishment commences which is how did you get into punk Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre um I, I, I would say it's – I, I kind of slowly got into it from – I guess it was from Beastie Boys because I was like obsessed with the Beastie Boys since I was like in, in elementary school. Um, and I guess it progressed from there. First show I ever saw was the Beastie Boys show. Rollins Band opened up and then, you know, the, the kid in my school was like, oh, you like that? Like – Rollins band, have you ever heard Black Flag? Have you ever heard Minor Threat? I'm like, what? You know, of course I get the cassette tape. I never really got um you know, after a couple of years of sneaking out and like going to shows, I never really understood the concept of like a scene or like being a part of like a community until I moved from Florida to Richmond. Um before that I was just like going to shows and sneaking out and and, and I was always on restriction a lot, you know, like grounded because I was kind of a fuck up, but um, yeah, like I, I seen some pretty cool stuff when I lived, when I lived in Florida, but, um, being part of a community and actually like being part of the scene and, um, learning a lot from people, um, was definitely when I moved to Richmond and that was probably like going to like, when I first saw like a veil and inquisition and action patrol and war dance orange and, and bands like that, that that's kind of what really got me into what I think punk is and, and kind of changed me to be the person I am and kind of fo- like focus on what I really cared about, what, what made me like, yeah, care about different things than what most normal people do. <laughs> I guess that makes any sense. Absolutely. Being part of, 
being part of that a community like that and meeting friends and, and other people that are weirdos, like <laughs> kind of, um, it's something to embrace and it seemed to be the most important thing for me. Uh, going back to Florida, I guess, like what you mentioned that other kid that was like, Oh, you should check out black flag. Was it just kind of like you and that person going to shows or was there like older kids or like, you know, not necessarily a scene, but we're like, or was it just something that you're like pursuing on your own? I remember like seeing like, I remember I was like a surfer <laughs> and I, I was like in the Sonic Youth and shit, but like, mm-hmm. I would like, I, like I wasn't really into like, so I'd be wearing like a Sonic Youth shirt at school and like somebody would come up to me and be like, Oh, you like that? Like, and I would like, would always chat up people. I remember seeing an ass suck shirt at school <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is that? And, uh, and then there, there's people who would be my friends forever, you know? And then, like, <laughs> this one older guy, though, he, like, snuck me out and snuck, uh, got me to go to a – I always keep saying snuck, snuck out because, like, I could never go out. <laughs> I was also really – I was also, like, younger than most people that were going to shows. So. How old were you? I, I was probably, like, um, 15, 14 or 15. I wasn't, like, super, super young, but young, I, had, young. I had, like, a fake ID that said I was 18. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, and it was actually the high school quarterback's ID. <laughs> and I was using it to go sneak in and go to punk shows and sh- sneak out and go to punk shows and shit. But, yeah, I remember uh, this dude, Sean Bochamp, that I used to surf with, um, snuck me out to go to a DRI show. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that was on the Definition Tour. I don't know. My memory is all scrambled, but um, yeah, it was on like a pretty old tour. And I saw Danzig, uh, Sacred Reich, the Jenna Tortures opened up. Oh, wow. That was pretty life. <laughs> that was pretty life changing. That's all shit in Tampa. Then I went to like, uh, I saw the Pink Lincolns play the Blue Chair. Like, um, that's kind of when I first like started going to smaller shows and was like, this is the shit. And uh, they, so you saw a lot of good shit in Florida. I thought it was like going to be a couple big concerts, but you were going to show shows. It was like I was, it was addicted. After I saw that Beastie Boys show, it was like I had to go to every show. I remember I snuck out. At this, uh, was it Nudes? It was either Fudge Tunnel or Nude Swirl. And I went by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and that was so weird. And there was like nobody at the show. And I'm just like this kid with a fake idea. <laughs> Where were you hearing about these bands? Were you picking up Maximum Rock and Roll or something, or yeah, yeah, or just um, through word of mouth, or mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead? Yeah, that's yeah. a thing. Uh, they, you know, you watch a video on Beavis and Butthead, and you'd be like, "That band rules." What is this shit? And then, yeah, I remember I saw Be- uh, Reverend Horton Heat on Beavis and Butthead, and I went to a Beavis and Butthead. Or, I'm sorry, I went to a Reverend Horton Heat show. <laughs> And then I went and I got, I was like, yeah, this is cool, but this is not really my thing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I was really into it. And then then moving to Richmond is when I really got sucked into it, where I was like, I want to put on shows. I want to like, you know, be a part of this, you know. I love the Pink Lincolns. They're like, I think that band's super underrated. Yeah, like I don't even have much of their records. I think I have a split with Screeching Weasel or something. They have a Screeching Weasel split. They got a queer split. Oh, of course, yeah. But they have a record on Starving Missile, too, who put out that first year terror record and put out oh, gee. like a bunch of weird stuff. Like, I'm always, you know, obviously fascinated by any sort of connection in punk, but like any weird label thing like that. But like Pink Lincolns are, oh, I love that band. 
they're still um, around. Like some of those guys do a do a band um, in St. Pete. That I just moved back here, so like now I'm I'm starting to get like people are oh yeah they're still around they're still playing music so that's kind of exciting figuring things out <laughs> getting around. You know, Richmond's obviously like one of the most storied kind of fabled scenes, you know, in America, especially like, you know, the the late 90s, early 90s scene, you know, um, to right up to obviously today. But, you know, Florida outside of Gainesville, you don't really hear about that much stuff outside of the early 80s. Why do you think there's less sort of connected sort of scenes like that down there in Florida? Um, I think. Yeah, that's a good question. I, th- I think maybe it's harder to get to. There's a beach here. There's other shit to do besides mm-hmm. like where you live in like an <laughs> urban area and you're just kind of like on top of people. And um, maybe it's just there's more outdoorsy <laughs> stuff going on. Yeah. Maybe there's not as much angst when you can just like go hang out at a beach whenever you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Hooters started here. Maybe it's because, you know, people like to go to Hooters or something. I don't know. It's definitely got like, you know, but there are pockets of it, you know, especially, you know, there's like. Oh, for sure. A a lot of religious punk from down there. Really? Yeah. I don't know anything about that. I've had like a a bunch of people on the podcast that, you know, put out band or were, were in bands that were on Tooth and Nail Records or were part of that scene or. I don't see that. Yeah. I, I was kind of like. I pretty I think MXPX was on that, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yep. they they didn't like they don't like me. I don't think they don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know those guys, but I remember my my first band that you and me were t- going to talk about. Oh, we're getting maybe. there. Maybe. Yeah, we yeah we played with MXPX and they were not stoked about us because we were really into Satan. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, like uh, I, I, I'm not a, I, like, I don't give a shit. Like, like if you're in a Christian rock band or whatever the fuck. Like, I, I like. Uh, there's some cool, like Christian bands. Oh, like you ever heard of you, you ever heard of Malignus Youth? Uh huh. Like I love that band, and they did this band after that that was like super religious, but I just I dig it, man. I still listen to it all the time. Like. Really? What's the band after that called? It's called M- Mesa Brevis or something like that. Is it the same style? Dude, Ky- yes, it's like blast beats, but they're like chanting and like it's wild, man. Like Whoa. I'll have to send it to you, but it's like a whole album of like they're like singing gospel hymns <laughs> to like blast beats and shit. It's I gotta sick. hear that. <laughs> Do you know Grave Robber? <laughs> have you heard of that band? No, that's a good band name. Uh, they were explained to me by uh, Effie, a wrestler um, from actually a gay wrestler based out of Florida, who's incredible. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If Effie was going to wrestle this event, I was doing this weekend, and now oh, they're yeah. not. Yeah, I set up this thing with uh, Tony from the fest, and yep, nope. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, <laughs> one day, one day that wrestling match will happen. But Effie was hit me to this band, Grave Robber, who are the Christian Guar. What? Yeah, they do um, like a, a costume, otherworldly thing. They refer to Jesus as the reanimator. And um, it's it's like apparently like the belief is real. Like obviously it's, it's you know, 
layers of character and stuff put on top of it, but they have uh, a bean eating contest at their shows that are is par- apparently pretty fabled where they have someone in the crowd try and eat a whole can of beans for a free t-shirt, cold beans. <laughs> All right. I'm sold. Uh, where, where do I sign up? <laughs> on YouTube, because that's what I've been looking up all day today. I posted that episode with Effie, and then I immediately went to YouTube and was just like, I got I to dive into this thing a little bit. <laughs> all right. I'll check it out. For uh, sure. I had no idea. There, this band is like, this is now the AFI riot of bands on this podcast where I'm just obsessed with <laughs> just talk keep, Everything goes back to Grave Robber. <laughs> Everything's back to Grave Robber. Turned out a Grave Robber is the new name of the show. Um, I think there's a band called Tourniquet too that was like like pretty awesome, like Christian metal. And then like, like of course, Striper rules. Oh, oh, have you ever heard Crucified? No, Crucified. Uh, Crucified is like kind of like our style, like waist kind of, like with clean vocal it's like suicidal tendencies but it's christian it's like very like like kind of like suicidal um like xl that kind of thing yeah yeah. but like it's but like christian lyrics like it's weird but like yeah it's actually really good I gotta check that out. I mean, see, that's the thing we're, just, we're broadening our horizons right now. As we speak, you know, <laughs> we're gonna convert each other right now. I know. <laughs> Hallelujah! You're pretty young to be going to these bands on these shows, so you must have saw like the Beastie Boys. Like, what album is that on? That was the first show ever of the Check Your Head tour. So that was like their that was their big comeback show, and um, I just really like long emo post about it. I posted the other day on my Instagram. Cause like it was, like, there was the first show the check your head tour Duff. Remember Duff from MTV? She was there. I was the first person in line there. I got there. You know, I was that kid that waited to, you know, at the gates at the door so I could run to the front and, and you know, clinch the barricade for the entire day. And I did that and they walked past me and they tried to talk to me and I was just like nervous to talk to them. And, I always, I always think about like, like, like even when I moved back down here, I was like, man, it would, it would have been great if I just had the balls to get their autograph or something or just say something to them, because they, they came up to me a couple times and were like, hey, how are you doing? Because I'm, I'm there before they are, before their sound check, standing there waiting like a freak, <laughs> and uh, they, uh, yeah, and then I, I went to this one of the guys from Failure Face here owns this killer record store. He has a had a copy of Check Your Head signed by all three Beastie Boys, and it's it was literally like a mile away from where I saw this show, and I almost started crying. Like I was like, I can't believe I'm looking at this right now, and like I just I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, I I, I gotta buy this record. I don't care how much it is, and like yeah. bought it. You know, because that's like holy shit like i can't believe this exists and this is like where i got it like i don't know it was pretty cool that was like a life-changing show you know absolutely well there's no way that wasn't signed at that show yeah i mean very well could have probably most likely i'm just like the odds of a check your head being fully signed by the beast i couldn't believe i couldn't believe it and and, and um, i have so many weird things that happened like that like coincidences that happened to me that day we were alphabetizing my records and i was like weird i don't have check your head on vinyl anymore where the hell was that record like that day mm-hmm. and then i went to the went to the record store and i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it 
it's weird when that shit happens with records. Like it, that's the stuff that makes me happy to be a record collector. When you have those moments, that's, where the, you're like, that's a fix, man. This, oh my god, that's a fix. It's yeah. like that's the that's the drug. Like that's you get that record. And you're like you get this feeling, man. It's like it's awesome. <laughs> So I guess going back to Florida, were there any other local bands that you kind of saw back then other than the Pink Lincolns that you remember? Not really. Like that was, um, yeah, I wasn't really into the lo- local thing. But yeah. like my my best friend um, grew up down here. He was in this band. Uh, you ever heard of Stiff Pole Records? Absolutely. Well, it's Pink Lincolns. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he was he was on a band. He's in a band called The Spills. And he uh, he's kind of also one of the people that got me into like punk and going to shows and stuff like that. And he, he drummed for this band that spills. He's a great drummer. And like, he's, he's my best friend, like best dude. And, uh, yeah. Like, so he, that's like, I would go see his, uh, his band before that. They're called the I Jassics. And, uh, that was, that's about it. Like for me, and you know, of course the janitors. <laughs> Other than that, no, I, I wasn't really part of it. Like, like I said, like, I didn't really start getting into like being a part of something and, or like, you know, supporting the local scene until I like moved up to Richmond. And I lived in a suburb of Richmond for a long time before, like, so that, that the band, I, my first band I ever did wasn't even really in Richmond based out of Richmond. We were based out of a suburb about 20 miles South of Richmond. So did you form James River scratch? Is that the first band you ever did? Yeah, yeah. And how long after you moved to Richmond did that band come together? Oh, I would say maybe less than a year. Okay. And so where did you meet the rest of the band? Were they all kids that you're going to school with, or is it just got? Yeah. Did you immediately? Yeah, they were. Of, sorry, go on. Oh, that no, they were just people we would like smoke weed with and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, uh, yeah, they were just. Lo- like local fuck ups that we were all just hanging out with. And we we just listened to music together, and one of the guys, the guitar player, was like this. He looked like Kurt Cobain, and he was like just obsessed with Nirvana. But he was also into like like the Amrap shit. That's how I got into all that stuff because he was just anything that was Nirvana related. He was really into. So like I you know like I heard Tad for the first time like and like. uh you know, like those those weird AMRAP bands, like the early helmet shit, and like, um, oh, Jesus Lizard's like one of my favorite bands ever. And one of the best um, bands live ever. That was another band I saw in Florida, Jesus Lizard Helmet tour. That's an awesome tour. Yeah, that was the meantime tour, and uh, I went there for Jesus Lizard, which is weird because that was in Florida, but that was, I went there because they had a split with Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I, I but, think uh, honestly, uh, you know, a, I would say, you know, a good seventy percent of Jesus Lizard fans got into them through the fact that they had a split with Nirvana, including myself. Yeah, man. And then you're like, "What, what on earth is this? this? Yeah, fucking great, man. Great band." Oh, where did you kind of like, you know, uh, where were you picking up stuff when you were in Florida, like Max Rock and Roll? Were you having to mail order that stuff, or is there a record store you're going to? Oh, I didn't get hip to Maxim Rock and Roll until until I moved to Richmond for sure. I wasn't really into Z's or stuff like that um, until I moved up up north. But uh, yeah, just mostly word of mouth, you know, asking asking the weird kid with the punk shirt on what was going on. 
<laughs> well, the stuff you're getting into is so like it's diverse too, right? Like Fudge Tunnel, the Pink Lincolns, to you know, uh, it, like some of the metal stuff you're going to, even like is so is it just through like this word of mouth stuff, or you like you know, as you said, Beavis and Butthead as well? But like, where where were you picking up this music? Um, for, yeah, I feel like we're bouncing back and forth from Florida, but it's all like the same year about about yeah. so. Um, yeah, basically from friends. And then we start like that dude, Eric, like he was just getting into so much, like all that AMREP shit and like, yeah, weird. There's a, there's a small child beating on my car right now. <laughs> no worries, dude. <laughs> that was like, go away, man. There's like six feet, dog, six feet. Oh, Come on. Dude. All right. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's like Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> uh, yeah in florida boy it's it's something um, uh, <laughs> sorry no no don't worry about it at all i'm glad i'm glad you're okay is the, is the number one. <laughs> um but i guess yeah finally moving on going back up to richmond when you when you get up there so did james river scratch like what scene did you guys fit into or is it just kind of like one big scene with all these bands because you guys are on comps with like Kilara and and like you know fun size and flesh-eating creeps uh, yeah, like that was just kind of like, we, we were like the weird outsider. We were the weird redneck kids that were like getting drunk and breaking beer bottles over our head and <laughs> videotaping it. It's dumb shit like that. Yeah. Like, um, and we hooked up with this metal band from there called Lycosa. They were more like power violence. They were like into like spaz and like venom and weird shit like that. And, they just thought we were hilarious because we were like these skater weirdo fuck up kids. So we were kind of like playing shows up there with them. And uh, actually, and then this other band called Top Heavy, which has Ryan Parrish on drums, who is also in Iron Reagan and Darkest Hour and all that. But like that's, I mean, literally like from when I first started playing music, I've known Ryan like, and yeah, I mean, it's, we would just kind of network from there and what we would always have to drive, you know, up North to play shows, but we, how we started and how I met those kids to kind of like network, which I didn't know. I didn't even know that's what I was doing. I was just doing it for fun, you know, but I would set up these, these field parties in uh Motoka, which Motoka is like, a, <laughs> Oh man. Uh, it's like a, a suburb of where I love the suburb. I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. And um, yeah, me and some friends, we set up these field parties and we'd invite some Richmond bands to play this amazing death metal band from Richmond that Ryan Parrish is also in called Disinterment came and played. And um, yeah, that, so so I would like network with bands like that, Top Heavy, Disinterment, Lycosa, um and and try to get them to come come and play these parties and they they would these Richmond kids would come down there and be like this is fucking crazy there'd be like 500 people that are in in this field partying and they they want to see James River Scratch cuz we were like the local punk band you know and mm-hmm. like punk music at that time was blowing the fuck up you know yeah. and we were awful <laughs> oh we were so bad i don't know like at that, at that time Go on, sorry. Like, uh, at the, I mean, at that time, we, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. But, um, yeah, like, it was funny. Like, we were like, oh, you need a PA out here. Shit, how are we going to get this? 
We just didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> I think that seven inch is pretty good. Like, you know, it's it's not a bad record at all. Like it it rages. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I think uh but that that record too band for a few years before mm. that seven inch even came out because we just had no concept of how to release music like that and and whenever whenever mike from beer city like hit us up to do a record i think i mailed him a vhs tape of us playing i don't even remember how i got a hold of them but uh i think we he was like wanted to do a seven inch for us and we were like Fuck yeah! Like that's that's it, man. We're gonna put this seven inch out, and it's gonna be everywhere. Like people are gonna fucking love us. Like we thought we were gonna, <laughs> we thought we were gonna, we're gonna blow the fuck up off this like seven inch we did on Beer City Records, and and it took like a year. I mean, from when we sent it off, it probably took over a year to come out, and we didn't do anything. We're like, oh, we're just gonna wait till the seven inch comes out. And we we're just like playing the seven inch. We're even like writing new material or anything. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then it came out, and nobody really gave a shit except for like our friends. <laughs> and then we're like, oh shit, all right, guess we gotta get keep doing stuff. <laughs> it's wild how many records that label put out. Like, it's wild. The, the ads in MR. They're insane. insane. And they would be like, and you would, I remember like talking to my buddy, Tony bitch, or like these people would be like, what, who are these fucking bands? It was like every fucking, I remember. Yeah. I just remember like talking about beer city and my friends and just being like, what, who are these bands? Like the craziest names too. Like the fucking, I don't even know. I can just make up a name, like a crazy name. And they'll probably have a seven inch on beer city. Records. Oh, definitely. Especially in the year 1997. I think yeah. they put out like 30 records. They were cranking them out. <laughs> and then, <laughs> they were like, like Max Ward, like a few years later. Yeah, exactly. Like, cranking them out. It's like the sympathy for the record industry for crust kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, uh, yeah. I just, but it was like, I never heard of any of it, but I was like, hell yeah. I mean, it was like great. But yeah, I think, I think we were just like in the back of the line. I think something happened. I can't even remember what the holdup was, but yeah, it took a while for it to come out. But yeah, I, doing that layout, and we just didn't have any art because we didn't understand how that worked. And I, we just went to Kinko's with like a shitty like Life magazine photo album and just cut shit out. And then like photos, it was so bad. Like the layout was pretty absurd. But um, it's like one of those, I think we used one of those like Christian pamphlets like what do they call them um that they leave in like truck stops i don't know it was just like satan anything satanic or like booze related or just us being idiots it was like probably slipped in there <laughs> given like how you know the band's vibe being you know uh less than christian how did you wind up playing that mxpx show um it was with face to face and mustard plug. What and, a and bill. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, we were the local opener and, uh, it's so, it's it so fucking funny. Cause the guy who set up that show is this old punk named Scott Staten. And, uh, he owns a shitload of properties and he actually owned that pro It was old movie theater. Beautiful. Not when I say beautiful, like 
It used to be, but it was probably like a triple X theater that got renovated into like a show space, <laughs> like, yeah. like right in the middle, uh, like, like I would say a block from where Twisters used to be or Strange Matter. Uh, you probably played yeah. one of those. Nancy Reagan too. Yeah. It was like a block from there. And it was like, a, it was about a 500 cap room, you know, just a little bit bigger. Um, maybe 600 cap anyway. So, um, that guy that put on that show, I'm, I'm still friends with that guy. He ended up selling me my house that I just sold. Like, so that, so like we ended up, like he ended up like selling me a house. Like we're, we're not like, like over 10 years ago, we still like keep in touch. But, um, at that time he was this like, uh, promoter and he had like long dreads and he was like thought we were hilarious and we were just these like smart ass kids that had no idea what we were doing we ended up like somehow um me and my my friend matt at the time worked projection or were projectionists at a movie theater um down there we were able to like like it was an amc theater and we would pull our fucking we would leave our band equipment in a closet, in a janitor closet at a fucking AMC theater. And we would have band practice at two o'clock in the fucking morning. At the theater? Yes. So we would show, I remember it was a uh, Halloween H2O. Do you remember that yep. fucking awful movie that <laughs> yeah. came out like the night before it came out, we just like showed the movie and had band practice while it was like playing above our heads with the lights on <laughs> and smoking weed. Smoking weed, and what, one of the funniest things, like when Matt was one of the, was the manager at that time, and uh, this is the drummer at JRS. He ended up joining Phobia too. That's a whole other wild story. Um, but uh, we, he, he's like smoking a smoking a blunt, and a cop walks in, and he's standing behind the drum set. He puts the blunt out and runs over to the cop. He goes, "You can't be in here. You're trespassing. This is private property, AMC theater. Get out." And the cop was like, oh, I'm so sorry. We were just trying to eat. And the cop was like apologizing to him. And we're all standing there like stoned. With like a movie <laughs> playing behind us. And we're like, what the fuck? So anyway, back to that face-to-face show. We were like, oh, we're going to play. We're playing with these big bands. Uh, you know, to us, like, that's like playing with Van Halen or something. You know, we're like, Who are, wow, we're playing this show. All right. But we knew it was in a movie theater. And we like somehow checked out the projection rig in this old theater. And I don't know how the fuck we did this, but we figured out that we're rigged up a VCR to the projector. And I still don't remember how the fuck we did that, especially at this time. It's like the nineties. So, um, and we edited all this satanic footage, all these weird movies and clips from like, you know, cannibal Holocaust. At that time, people didn't know what that shit was. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. And we had all, and we had just these and and clips from Friday with ice like mixed in with it. And uh we played that shit behind us when we played and the crowd was like, what the fuck? We keep in mind we were a local band, but not really. We were from Colonial Heights. So, like, everyone there was like, who are these assholes? And we were, you know, it, it was, we were the annoying local band. And I also remember being in the dressing room, like, you know, sitting in face-to-face dressing room with a unopened beer in my hand and another, and a full beer in my hand, just chugging one. And the singer face-to-face goes, so, uh, enjoying those beers? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, man, it's like, oh, it's an honor to play with you guys. It's cool. And then he like, 
he gave me another beer. And I was like, wow, like, what a cool guy. I'm like, like now I even think about that further. Like, like I'm back there being the most annoying local band guy drinking their beer. And they were so kind to me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think MXPX appreciated us. And rightfully so. We were pretty disrespectful for no reason. Other than being the annoying kid punk band. <laughs> Just doing dumb shit. <laughs> that is wild. That is so awesome. <laughs> who, were, who was the influence on the band to do the video stuff or is that just because you guys were just like punk kids just with oh with man the, dr- the drummer matt um like me and that guy were just thick as thieves and uh yeah we you know both worked at the movie theater we also worked at a video store before that and we we had our first apartments a couple apartments together we and him ended up moving to richmond together i lived with that guy for like four or five years like shared a bed <laughs> like like yeah, yeah. And, and like we both we moved to long beach together because we were going to start a band with todd from dystopia and some other dudes like a few years after all the james river scratch stuff but yeah we, we worked at movie theaters for so long and and uh we were just like our apartment was full of like vhs tapes so we had like a library of of like it was like thousands of VHS tapes, like the dub ones, you know, back in the day. So it'd be like three movies on a VHS tape. And we had a catalog. This is all Matt. Matt organized all this shit. So people would come over and just grab the catalog, pick a movie out, go to the cassette, figure it out where it is, and we'd all watch movies. Like all the time. Like our lives just revolved around like that stuff. It was really fun for that for a long pretty time. Fucking awesome. Yeah, when when we yeah, we were we had a good time, man. When we lived in Cornell Heights, we were like the big fish in a, in a very small pond. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun there, but we were like, all right, we got to move. And, and we did Richmond for a year. Um, and, and then after that, it was, we were both kind of like, oh, I don't really like Richmond. And then we moved to long beach and we, we slept on a floor for a fucking year, man. I slept on a goddamn floor never had a mattress and that's when we were moving out there we were gonna do a band with todd and we were gonna actually like do movie stuff and figure out like all this stuff and and that was the hardest i've ever lived like mm-hmm. it was like four dudes in a two-bedroom apartment um me and matt didn't have anything we we moved we moved all our shit out there i had my records because i'm not going anywhere on my records and then you know my and a and like my clothes <laughs> and i did that for a year and it sucked and I was like, fuck this. And I moved back. Um, I, I did it for yeah about a year. And I was like, I'm out. Like, I got to go. And I left Matt. Matt stayed. He ended up joining Phobia. I left. And less than three months later, started Municipal Waste. Did you guys do any music when you were out there at all? Or was it just kind of like trying to get shit going the whole time? He started jamming with Phobia. And I kind of got like, I wouldn't say I was jealous. But I was kind of like. I, like I want to do stuff like yeah. what the fuck you know yeah. um and I was also really excited for him his first show his first show he ever played with phobia this is amazing because you probably know all about this was in Japan and it was on uh caught on TV or uh, caught on tape or whatever but it was the show that phobia is playing in Japan and the guy assaults him like the oh, guy yeah. bum rushes the stage and Bruce 
comes running across with the fucking bass and knocks the dude upside. That was Matt's first show ever playing in Phobia. And he's on a <laughs> Japanese tour too. And he, yeah, dude. Yeah, man. There's all, he has a really cool ghost story from that tour too, where they stayed in a fucking graveyard and they, in Japan. <laughs> How cool is that? I was so fucking jealous. I was fucking jealous, man. I, I'll admit it. Fine. I was fucking jealous. He was killing it. But yeah, man, first show ever. Essentially us being, you know, kids and playing, you know, and being like, oh, wow, you're in phobia. Like, we love phobia. You know, we were so into power violence. Like, oh, man, that's like, yeah, I could go on a whole thing about how much that influenced me. Like, even rewinding it back to James and Scratch. I mean, the first big shows we ever did was with Sp- on that Spaz tour. We did a couple of those shows. We followed them around like they were the fucking Grateful Dead. Chris, it's either Max or Chris still has like a letter or fan mail. I mailed them. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, we were nerds about that shit. So yeah, when Matt joined Phobia, I was like, holy shit, man, he's in the fucking Beatles or something. Exactly. He's in the fucking dream out there. He's in a personalizer band. <laughs> yeah. For us, that's it. Man. Oh, that's that's, it. It. that's still it for me. Like I would drop everything to be in a pessimizer band tomorrow. <laughs> Damn right. Like oh god. <laughs> uh, like and also there's something about Spaz at that point. This has come up on the show before, but they're almost like the Beastie Boys of hardcore. When you think yes, about it, absolutely. That's why I fucking love them so much. <laughs> yeah, we were we were tied into that because you know, like like you said, we kind of sounded like kind of pop punky, or or maybe you didn't even say that, but. We, it was kind I didn't of say that at all. I but I or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. like we were influenced by all that shit. But it was weird. We were really close with um, Jason Hodges from Suppression, mm-hmm. and we were pen pals with him. I'm pretty sure they put shit out on Pessimizer too. They put shit out everywhere. But I mean, Jason was like, Jason's the reason why me and Matt moved to Richmond, and our first place and then our first apartment was was a little apartment, and it was me. Jason and Matt, and that was the first, the year we lived in Richmond for the first time. Um, so like we had real get like I don't know we've just seen a lot of cool shit around that time. Just being a part of like so many different genres and punk. Yeah, yeah, and it's it is also like, and I think this is reflective too on like uh, a couple of the comps that you guys are on. Like it, it's like a time when you know outside of I guess New York. Or, or maybe even Los Angeles, probably too, a little bit. Big, big, huge cities where, you know, there wasn't enough of a scene that you could kind of be selective and exclusionary of anything. Like, you had to kind of all be together. So there's just, like, oh, yeah. so much shit happening. Absolutely. And supporting each other, too, yeah. you know? Yeah. I feel like Florida kind of had that vibe, too. I remember I remember um, around that time when I started going to shows up there, um, it was like – Asuk and Hot Water Music did a tour together. That's like fucking bizarre. Like, but 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 for me, that that just makes sense. Like, yeah, I'll be there. You know, like, well, yeah, like you go through you go through like the No Idea catalog, and you have like you know uh, Asshole Parade being put out at the same time. You have like Panther UK United Thirteen, and it all makes sense and it all fits together because it's all punk at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. What about a veil? Oh God, Avail! Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're like for me. Like obviously, I think you have a, a, a deeper connection than myself. But they for me are one of the most important bands ever 
Yeah, I agree a hundred percent for me. I mean, yeah, I got, you know, yeah, for me, it's just, that was, that was when I was, when I was saying earlier, like, yeah, moving up to Richmond and being part of a community and really being a part of something that's was like when I saw that avail show and then that's it, man. It's just up and running. You know, I would go to every avail show, seen them in a roller skating rink. I've seen them play some weird shows. Um, and I love them, man. That like that band. Yeah. It's they, they made Richmond strong and, and proud and, and, and made everyone, everyone would go to an avail show and feel like they were a part of it. And they went and did shit. And that's like Richmond just fucking exploded. I feel like musically, even, even bands that aren't even like influenced by them are, are influenced by them just by their, the way they tour, the way they support local bands, the way they, the way they supported all kinds of music. They brought out bands that nobody gave a fuck about. And, and I just feel like they just did a lot for, for uh, the punk scene and they taught people how to fucking act you know, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of remember, do you remember that moment where it was like 99 and there was like, I think before they went to fat, they were offered like a major label deal. And yeah, I remember them talking about it in interviews and I've always wondered like, yeah, but what would have happened if they took it? Like, obviously we all know the history of punk on major labels, but at the same time it's like, yeah, but what if like they could have caught like an Andrew WK wave where like that kind of vibe took hold and became something kind of on a mainstream thing because it was so important to punk at that time. I, I wonder if that is the, the, the mystique about them or, or maybe, maybe that's what makes them so magical to people is that they didn't. And that made them like, that made people like, you know, they stuck to their guns. Yeah. You know, they never gave a shit. They did what they wanted to do. And I think that that's what made, maybe that's what made everyone so proud of them. Yeah. Or like or want to be a part of it because it was their own it was their own thing it was, it was, there's there's no fucking band that sounds like a veil period who the fuck sounds like a veil like there's no band that sounds like that and they just did their own thing and didn't give a shit and you know and uh yeah i loved it <laughs> i loved every second of it i remember the first time i met eric larson you know it's a good friend of mine like um now but at the time i was like terrified of them i remember like <laughs> uh my my first band jrs james or scotch or whatever like played with kalara one of the first out of town shows i ever played and we we played with kalara at this fucking house show house show in north carolina and it was fucking so insane but i remember like talking to eric there and being like starstruck <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, and he had a, he has a big pentagram tattoo on his back. And I was like, he's so cool. Do you, are you with me on Alabama Thunder Pussy being one of the most underrated bands ever? I think that about Kalara, honestly. You like them more than Alabama Thunder Pussy? Oh yeah. Kalara is my shit, man. I, I was listening to them. The, I was listening to them two days ago. I was playing my girlfriend there split with Inquisition because I fucking love that song. <laughs> Both those bands kind of get eclipsed by Avail. Like they're just such a massive force. But I think both those bands are, are sick. And they're totally different sounding totally from different, Avail yeah. too, which is, you know. But yeah, Eric's crazy talented. Uh, have you heard of Parasitic? That was like his band with uh, actually Nick from Municipal Waste um, and Eric 
did a band um, before he was in in the waste, and they fucking ripped, man. Oh yeah, um, dude, parasitic. Yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. But That's awesome. That was that was a while ago. <laughs> so what happened after you moved back from, or sorry, after James River Scratch broke up? Did you guys break up because you guys moved to Long Beach, or was it broken up before that? Um, pretty much. That's, that's, we, I mean, it was, we were a band for way too long. Like (laughs) (laughs) it was just kind of the bus, just not knowing how to operate as human beings without each other, I think. But I think it just got kind of old and, and, uh, we were like, yeah, I was like, I want to, you know, we got to make a move. We got to get out there. We spent way too much time in Colonial Heights, to be honest. Like we, I I feel like I wasted a little bit of my life there, like a couple of years at least, but like, I feel like I should have moved on a little earlier, but, um, when we finally did, yeah, we were ready to get the, <laughs> get the hell out of there. So did you do any other bands before, uh, Municipal Waste got going or is it just, no, just the James or scratch. And then I did, uh, Municipal Waste, like, not like, yeah, right when I came back, like me and Ryan were talking about it, Ryan Waste, we're talking about it before I had a DRI show, hilariously enough. We always get compared to them, but uh, like we were at a deer, I said we're like, yeah, like, like, oh, we should, we need to start playing some fucking crossover shit. Like nobody does that anymore, and like, and I was like, dude, that's all I've been listening to lately. Like, I fucking love that shit. Like, COC, you know, DRI, obviously, and fucking SOD, like stuff like that. Sit, like, you know, punk metal, punk, you know, stuff like I don't know stuff that i love mm-hmm. and uh we always talked about it and I, ryan was just really funny a uh, uh, fucking great bass player he played bass in uh that band the flesh eating creeps that you mentioned earlier oh, I had um, no idea. yeah he, he joined them later later in the like in later in their in their days and uh i remember seeing ryan being like fuck man he's such a sick bass player and he was like oh we should do a band sometime and i kind of just forgot about it you know like and then uh came back from uh came back from from uh LA Long Beach and uh, I was like yo let's do that fucking band <laughs> I was kind of doing I was kind of doing my own like crossover band and he was doing trying to do the waste um and we were practicing like three blocks away from each other and we kind of were like talking back and forth how's your thing going oh our things going and we'll get together we'll play together and then we finally were like like this isn't working like wow we do like why don't we fucking do this band <laughs> like and uh that's kind of how that started he he i think i think he was trying to get these singers in this way so one guy came in with like a book of poems and was like reading poetry over like ryan ryan try like you know playing metal riffs and it yeah you know, he was just like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh had you guys played together in your other bands you must have played shows right oh jrs and fleshy and creation yeah. play all the time yeah yeah we we're buddies i love that split that three-way split with they live uh they live was it tri-state killing spree on that or uh, i'm trying to remember it was on amendment records as well yeah man oh i owe that guy an apology oh i can't wait to see that guy <laughs> <laughs> amendment records yeah man yeah i fucked up I fucked up. Like, I, like I accused him of bootlegging. Like, this is a fucking seven inch too, by the way. This is like, who gives a shit? But like, this is still when I was young, and you know, like yeah, when you yeah. kind of think when you're like a when you're especially when you're a younger punk, 
and and you're doing uh, you know I'm a younger punk or whatever I hate saying that but uh, when when I was younger you think everyone's trying to rip you off and every person at a record label is a scoundrel and and I just was like you know he got a seven inch for us and he you know he, he does things differently you know he does things by himself you know he's doing everything himself anyway long story short we did a split with bad acid trip I'm kind of jumping ahead but um he he. <laughs> he put it out and it sold out or whatever and, and it was great and kept the touch and all that. Uh, and then um a couple years later we lost touch with him. This is when Brandon was in the band and shit. And then uh I started finding copies of it with different labels. And I was like, This fucker's like still printing this shit without our permission. Like we told him not to. And I well, I, I think I called him and like let him have it and like told people like fuck that guy, you know, like just talking shit about this dude who like, you know, one of the first people who believed in our band and like supported us. And I, and I totally like thought he was, he was printing these records on the side, not giving us copies. And then I found out like years later, um, this friend of mine was like, yeah, my, my old roommate in, in uh, Portland bootlegged one of your records. And I'm like, what? the fuck are you talking about who bootlegs the fuck? he said yeah that's uh, bad acid trip I'm like what and then it all came crashing back like oh i'm a fucking dick man yeah. like who the fuck would bootleg that record you know that, that's in my brain i'm like what like all right that's bizarre but um yeah so yeah so it actually all got ripped off but it wasn't dave and that guy's he was always sweet to us man i love the get back in touch with that guy you know it's <clears> funny because that stuff like as you're saying when you're younger and you don't really you know how are you to know you know and especially because there are a lot of ripoff labels in punk and so, yeah yes that's true absolutely but uh but there's also a lot of just scummy bootleggers in punk too that are just <laughs> bootleg. you know i guess that record you know all your early records go for a premium so someone was like ah away but that would have been pretty early on to be bootlegging it too i would imagine um well no well i guess it was eh, it was kind of like when things started popping off a little bit okay. and Bran- i don't even think brandon was even in the band anymore when i figured it all out you know yeah um so yeah i was a little later down the line but i was definitely like why are you fucking still printing these man Oh, Fuck I've you, dude. There. You're fucking ripping us off, man. You're, you're rolling in money from the <laughs> 507 inches you pressed. <laughs> like, give me a fucking break. Uh, uh. <laughs> that, but that, fir- that first 7-inch that you guys did do on Amendment Records is also a rager. Like, you had the sound right away. But I guess you're saying, like, you guys talked about it beforehand. Like, it was a plan from the get-go, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, everything happened so fast so fast with that once that record came out i'm always like go 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 you know i'm very like motivated i guess or i was at the time and i was just like we gotta keep we gotta, we're gonna put out this record and we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and i remember telling ryan like we're gonna do the seven inch i'm gonna make sure we play japan in like a year man we're gonna be in japan in like a year that shit took like 15 years <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was about 12 i think until we finally got to japan but anyway um but yeah i was like super we were super motivated about it and it was like we put the seven inch out and um we went on tour we went on tour before i'm sorry we went on tour after like we had about eight songs and we were like let's go on tour 
And our drummer at the time, Brendan, which gets very confusing because there's Brendan and then Brandon. (laughs) Brandon. (laughs) Yes. Because Brendan, Brendan, Brandon, Barry are the first three. Yeah. Okay. So Brendan (laughs) was in in this like screamo band. This is fucking bizarre. Was in this screamo band called Alare Ra. And good luck trying to fucking spell that because it's absurdly spelt weird too. Uh, it was very like City of Caterpillar kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. It was pretty cool. They're yeah, they're real cool. And they're, um, but he they couldn't do the tour. They canceled it, and it was like two weeks of shows. And we're like, we'll fucking do it. Put the fucking waste on it. And Brendan's like, all right. And he like called these people you know like you know this we we're still booking shit on over the phone you know we we're kind of yeah. we we're one of those bands i'm, I'm pretty sure y'all were too mm-hmm. they were over that transition of like booking tours over your phone and you know book your own fucking life and you know your notebook and you write the directions now i still have my notebooks too but um so we we're doing all that shit. so he's he, our, you know brendan we had no idea where we we're, we're going to go on this tour this is like after we started practicing for like two months maybe okay we play our first show New Year's Eve, and it's bonkers. Like everybody in Richmond shows up on New Year's Eve party, fucking wrecks the place. Then my buddy Matt's house, we're having the best night ever. And we're on the road like two weeks later. Like it was that fast. Like like it was crazy. We were just like fuck it. We we're playing house shows. Some of the shows were this Jer- Jerome's Dream. Oh yeah, Jerome's Dream. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> they don't sound anything like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a couple shows with tragedy, strangely enough, too. So Drone's Dream, Tragedy, and Municipal Waste, and Municipal Waste. Yeah. So we were doing like we played a house show in Jacksonville with Tragedy and Jerome's Dream, Municipal Waste. This is when we were a band. This is when we were a band for like a fucking you know not even like two months. Uh, then we're then we played we played uh, Gainesville with with Goat Shanty. Um, that we really hit it off with those guys, Jason Griffith, Griffin, uh, fucking love that guy. And, uh, yeah, just, and, um, yeah. So it was just crazy, like two week tour. We were like playing all these bonkers house shows and, um, squats and, and fucking, you know, weird bars. Like, <laughs> and so we kind of like, I wouldn't say we were got good, but we, that's when we like recorded that seven inch. And I mean, that's, that's a weird sounding record, <laughs> but, um, that's like, yeah. Um, and the story with that seven inch is fucking hilarious too. We recorded that seven inch and we put all our shit from the recording studio in the back. I think it was Ryan's car, somebody's car. And we're sitting there and we're like, Oh, fucking, uh, dear eyes playing tonight. Uh, they're playing at, 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 uh, what was it? It was at McCormick's and uh, we we're like, Oh fuck! Let's just go there and play it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Let's fucking go there and pretend we're on the bill and show up with our fucking equipment. And we fucking did. <laughs> and we showed up and we're like, we're gonna fucking blow the socks off these. And we get there, and we fucking, and they're like, um, I knew the owner of the bar too, and he's like, yeah, you want to play? Fuck it, man, set up. You guys play first. Fuck it. We're like, fuck yeah. We fucking we fucking play. There's like four four people in the room. 
here at nowhere to be found. <laughs> They're chilling at a fucking, uh, and we played, we played it. We're like, fuck it, man. We got him for free. We we definitely tried to snake some free beer out of the deal too, but, <laughs> but yeah, we definitely just were like, we're playing the show. Like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> So that was fun. That's a fun thing that happened with us. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but like there was, you know, that seven inch came out and there was like, you know, and obviously in the relative terms of, uh, you know, early two thousands, like DIY hardcore, but there was like hype around you guys, like immediately, like people were like stoked. Like that seven inch was like impossible to get. Like I remember getting a copy in trade for helping Gord move his house. <laughs> Gord, man, I forgot about that dude. Still, still uh, got deranged. He's still doing deranged. So he's wow, I think I still have letters from him too. He probably tried. To we almost did that seven. We almost did that seven inch on deranged. How did he? You guys must have had a demo first, then, right? It was those songs, and I made a CDR demo, and I sent one to Chris Dodge, Max, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Gord. Um, who does Feral board? Oh, that was the Yannick from Tragedy. Yeah, I think I sent Yannick one. Uh, a couple people in Europe. I've seen some some of those pop up in weird places, and it's like my handwriting, and it'll be like it's like this weird like Xerox printout of a CDR, and it's like a Xerox printout of like our like seven inch artwork. No, it's not even the seven inch artwork. It's like a like a t-shirt design we did or something. I, I don't I'm, I, I can't really remember. I haven't seen it in a long, long time, but yeah, I, I, I sent up CDRs and I'm sure the track listing was all fucked up and who knows probably half of them didn't even work. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Cause it, yeah. Like it felt like right away there was a little bit of a following. You know, he mentioned that first show in Richmond, obviously the tour was a little bit disastrous, uh, but like, you know, like was there kind of a fan base right out of the gate? Um, I think, I think so. Cause just cause we were playing or playing so much like mm-hmm. it. And also, man, nobody was fucking doing that. You have to think about metal at that time. Metal was like real fuck, really fucking bad, man. Like <laughs> yeah. people weren't fucking like, look at like, what was that? 2001. Look yeah. at the bands around that time. You know, it was metal was in a weird state. I wasn't really was new metal, right? Yeah. I was, that, that was like the shit, you know, yeah. we were like, fuck this. Why isn't any, why aren't there any bands doing like, you know, like crossover shit. Yeah. Like there was like what happens next and, and stuff like that, but they weren't like playing metal really. They were like hardcore bands, mm-hmm. which fucking great. You know, I I'm obsessed with that shit. I love it. I love fast stuff. And that's what I was just like, as long as we keep it fast and like, yeah, I think, I think it was just uh, the mixture of like playing metal with like punk and, and the, the fun side of it where we weren't taking ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, even people that weren't into that sort of shit could, could relate to it. And then we, they were going to have fun regardless. And it would upset people that didn't want to have fun. And we were fine with that. <laughs> well, also the live show was like out of the gate, like, you know, and it's still obviously still, but like something completely different for anything, but especially hardcore at that time. Right. Yeah. And we were also like ridiculous human beings. Garbage people. <laughs> it's all, sometimes, some nights, it's it was like watching a train wreck, and that was that was fun too. <laughs> I remember playing. I one of the first nights I met Scotty Ten Crimes. We were on. We were. That was the first like U.S. tour. 
we played up in Boston. That was the day we met Scotty and uh, Athena, um, that whole crew, Amy Lawless, you know, the crew. And uh, we, were, we were playing this basement in uh, – with Brody's militia and shit and like hell no, I think I think yeah, Hell Nation played and we were fucking playing and I me and Ryan do some like d- like dumb jump in the air and Ryan's got this gauntlet, like the Sodom <laughs> gauntlet on with the fucking nails sticking out and he fucking stabs me in the eye with the fucking nail and it felt a goat in my fucking head and out. I felt it go in and out. And I wasn't even bleeding or anything. It was just like this weird, like it must've went like slipped through, you know? And it was the weirdest fucking feeling. And I stopped for a second. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, um, but yeah, it was, it, it was a, it was always a train wreck. It felt like it still is sometimes, honestly. But then it was like, like we legit had no idea what we were doing, and we we had our own thing that we wanted to, to do. <laughs> sometimes it was playing good, and sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that what makes the band awesome is that it is like real, like that. Like it's not like some choreographed thing. Like it could fall off the rails and not work. Like it works obviously most of the time, but like when it doesn't work, it's also you know that's that's real, that's authentic. Yeah, I got. I guess it's an ex, it's an experience. It's, exactly. it's a, or one way or another, it's an experience. I remember every bad show I ever played. I don't remember all the good ones, but I definitely remember every bad one. Oh, I, oh, I got a list. I got a list of some that I'll never forget. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've kept you for a in ungodly amount of punishment so far and I could keep punishing you forever. But would you come back at some point, Tony, for a part time? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to. This is a lot of fun. Before I let you go, though, I do want to kind of uh, talk about uh, how did you – was that night that you guys played Boston? Was that when you first kind of hooked up with Six Weeks? Um, Shit, that's a good question to be continued. Da-da! I have to think about that. I can't remember. I think the split with Crucial Unit was recorded. No, no, no. That was That was way after. We were pen pals and we, we kept in touch at that point. We were, we were definitely friends because that was when Brandon was in the band. Okay. We didn't do any full U.S. tours with Brandon. Brandon was pretty much done after um, we recorded. Like like the recording of the Crucial Unit split, he quit pretty much halfway through it. That recording is is so awful. Like we hate that record. Like we did, we, which was such a bummer for six weeks. We were like, you can't repress that. Cause it sounds like shit. That record is, I mean, it sucks for crucial unit too. Like those guys didn't give a shit. Cause they're like the biggest sweethearts, but we were like, we like the recording was so bad. Our drummer quit. And we were like, what the fuck? And so those songs, like that recording is insanely bad. If you go back and listen to it, <laughs> it's impossible to get that record. Obviously, I guess because it was never repressed. But yeah, they like you know. In theory, it should be amazing because Crucial Unit's fucking incredible. Yeah, they, yeah, they were they were fun, man. That was like the cool. Waste had this love affair with Pittsburgh around that time. Uh, you know that. Well, I was I loved Osrotten, but mm-hmm. them and like christian unit and, and then we just really fell in love with cost of christ and that's later i guess that'll be yeah. for part two that's kind of the brandon years and all that insanity 
Yeah, one of the best bands ever, Cost of Christ. But yeah, like, uh, Fuck yeah. So, so part two uh, at some point down the line. Hell yeah, man! Thank you, I, and I won't make you wait as long. <laughs> I'm so sorry that it's taking taking this long, but you're so busy, and I'm all over the place. But we did it. We yeah, did exactly. It. Like you know, this is we, we saved it, and and it was worth it. I had a great time. I really appreciate it. We're like the Christian Guar with our virginities. We saved it, <laughs> and it was worth it. I'm. I can't wait to watch that shit. I'm gonna call Guar and be like, "You see this shit?" <laughs> Thank you, Tony, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Tony will be back for a part two at some point in the future. And I I got a feeling it's going to be the near future because there's a lot more I want to talk to him about. What a fun combo. I I love doing this thing because of stuff like that. These guys haven't heard it. I'd ask them for their opinion on it, but they have not heard the podcast. They're not. You guys into Turn Out of Punk? Do you guys like Daddy's podcast? Yeah. Never heard it. No. Not yet. You never heard any of them? Dorian's heard. Dorian's heard some. Okay, but but holding. You've only heard this one. What do you think of this one? You've heard a lot of them. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna go back to hanging out with the kids. Uh, I'm gonna be back though with another podcast in a few days, and I think because Tony set it up so perfectly there. Tony talked about moving from the. Uh, from Virginia to the big city of Los Angeles and how that city nearly ate him alive. So so what better way to set up the next guest on the show? Next guest on this podcast is Mr. Joe Sib of 22 Jacks, of Side One Dummy, of Wax, and of one of my favorite skate punk bands ever, Frontline. Yeah, I Am Records, Frontline. Were they skate punk? I, I, we'll find out next week on the show. We'll find out next week. It's a crazy one next week with them. We go to all sorts of places. We bring in people into the punk rock universe that I never thought we'd be able to bring in on next week's show. Joe Joe connects a lot of dots for us. You're not going to want to miss this one. And then later on this week, probably this weekend, we got Beth from Best Coast. So two LA guests lined up in the chamber ready to be fired out into the target that we call infotainment because that's what we're doing here on this podcast infotaining you well that's it i'm gonna let you go and uh i will see you next week on the show thank you everyone for listening bye oh go there and make your own culture sign your organ donor cards take care of the people you love stay well stay safe and we'll see you next time on the show do you want to say something